You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 341, The Reason for the Star. Now, I want to just say up front that uh, the written version of this post, which I'm going to include a link to, is called, Why Is There a Star on My Christmas Tree? And it's one of my most popular posts ever. It's actually number two on Google if you type in, Why Is There a Star on a Christmas Tree? or some combination of those words. Um, it's something that people have wanted to know. Obviously, it's, it's, it's something that uh, has aroused curiosity because I get hits on it throughout the years. I've had thousands and thousands of hits on this particular post. So I thought it'd be good to do a digital version of it, do it on the podcast, so I'll be um, covering it. And also, like I say, if you want to read the post, you can click on the link as well. So we're going to talk about why we have a star on our Christmas tree. And, and it's always interesting this time of year because uh, when I post a, a, a blog or a podcast like this, I always get those, um, I, I just call them religious people, who um, ask the question, why do we even have a Christmas tree? It's a pagan festival. And, you know, I'm not going to go there in this post. Um, it's not worth arguing over. Um, you know, the only people that, that really seem to be uptight over it are, again, the religious people, the ones who are legalistic and um, the people who, 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 who are kind of in my circle or even people who are non-Christians don't seem to care about it. But the, uh, um, the, the, the legalistic type of Christians, it seems to really upset them. So we're going to talk about the reason for the star. I think you'll um, really enjoy where we go with this. So stick around. But before we do that, I want to let you know this episode of Leading is Learning is brought to you by an excellent Christmas present. Um, if you're looking for something to, to, to buy for somebody on your list, my book, New Testament Snapshots, would be a great addition to their library. It's an intimate look at 12 of the lesser-known characters of the New Testament. I mean, how much do you really know about Mary Magdalene? How much do you know about John Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark? How much do you know about Priscilla and Aquila, two of Paul's closest companions, but who we only have you know, maybe just a few paragraphs about in the New Testament. Um, what about Phoebe? Do you even know who Phoebe is? What about Aristarchus? Do you even know that name? These are actually people that are in the New Testament who played significant roles, but if it, it, it's kind of like people in your, you know, when you take a family picture this time of year at the holidays, you've always got those people that kind of want to stand in the background and you just see the top of their head. Um, it's kind of like that with New Testament snapshots. There's actually quite a bit of information there, but we just have to dig a little bit. So check out New Testament snapshots, um, 12 uh, of the lesser-known characters in the New Testament. This is a great Bible study book for the individual as well as for your small group. Well, all right, 
Let's jump in and talk about the reason for the star. You know, there's a lot of different toppers that people put on top of their Christmas trees. I've seen elves. I've seen stars. I've seen Christmas hats. Um, you know, reindeer. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can put up there. But it seems like the most traditional topper for most people's trees is a star, and preferably a lighted star, a lit star. Um, you know, there, there's something powerful about seeing that star, but a lot of people do it just because of tradition and they don't really understand the why. So that's what I'm going to talk about. Why do we do it? Um, it's probably safe to assume that most people, and especially children, don't know. And I, and I kind of want to make this educational for the, for the kids. Uh, this Christmas would be a great time for people to learn what the star represents and to share it with their children. Um, even, even talking about the significance of the star this holiday season would be a good start for a new tradition. I don't know about you, but my kids are grown. They've got kids of their own, but they still hold to some of the traditions that we instilled in them, and they've also created new traditions with their families. And, uh, and talking about the star might be a really great tradition for you and yours. Now, the Christmas story where the star comes from is found in the New Testament. It's actually found in two places. It's found in Luke's gospel and in Matthew's gospel. Now, I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail, but in Luke's gospel, we get the story from Mary's perspective. Um, probably what happened was Luke, as he was writing his gospel, uh, was able to spend time with Mary and interview her because this really comes across as a first-person narrative. But we, we know in that story, the, uh, you know, the, the couple was coming into the city of Bethlehem for, for the census from where uh, Joseph was born, uh, Mary's uh, betrothed husband. But of course, Mary is pregnant. Uh, it's a bit scandalous because she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. At least that's her story. But she has the baby um, in, in a stable, in a barn. We're not exactly sure what it is, but uh, there's no place for him in the inn. And the baby is placed in a, 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 we see wooden mangers, but it's really more of a, a concrete feeding trough that the baby's placed in for his first bed. And then the wise men come, and uh, I say the wise men, the, the, the shepherds. In Luke's account, it's actually the shepherds who show up because they've seen an angel. So it's quite a dramatic story. But in Matthew's account, um, we have Matthew who's actually getting ready to divorce her because he finds out that she's pregnant and they haven't come together yet, so he knows it's not his baby. But an angel speaks to him in a dream and says, don't be afraid, this is from the Holy Spirit. So they go to Bethlehem, they have the baby, and then we read this. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, now most scholars understand that these magi uh, are Babylonian astrologers. They're from that area of the world. Um, a special star, a comet, Something in the heavens had gotten their attention and somehow pointed them to the area of Israel, occupied Israel. Being learned men, they were likely familiar with the Hebrew scriptures. And when they saw the star leading in towards Palestine, they, they studied the words of the prophets and understood that the star was announcing 
the birth of a king. Now, how would these, uh, for lack of a better term, pagan, non-Jewish, Gentile, astrologers, wise men, whatever you want to call them, and I think even the, the, the word astronomer would fit as well because they're looking into the stars, how would they have had access to the Jewish prophets? They could have had contact with Jews in their cities. Obviously, the, the Jews had been dispersed um, through exile. Uh, so that's a possibility. Maybe they had had contact with some dispersed Jews and were able to get copies or had access to the Jewish scriptures to study the prophecies. But you know, another interesting line of thought If you go back and look at a bit of Old Testament history, Daniel, who was a prophet, he's considered one of the major prophets in the Old Testament, uh, during his time in captivity in Persia and Babylon, that area, he was elevated to be over all of the wise men. He was elevated to a position where he oversaw the Magi, if you will. And you wonder, and he was a godly man. He feared the God of Israel. He loved and worshiped the God of Israel. He was a faithful, uh, law-practicing Jew. And you wonder if Daniel had had made the scriptures, the the Hebrew scriptures, required reading for those under his care, uh, for the other wise men. We don't know, but it's an interesting line of thought. But when the Magi arrive in Israel, the first place they go, of course, is Jerusalem because they check in with King Herod. I mean, where, where is a, the, the, a baby, the son of a king, going to be born? Um, a new king would be born in a palace sur- surrounded by loyal- royalty. Well, King Herod knew nothing of this new king. And Herod, if you look at the, the historical figure of Herod, was very insecure. Uh, he had had his mother-in-law killed. He had had his wife, his sons killed because he feared that they would usurp his throne. He was a very insecure tyrant, a very insecure king. And he knew nothing of this new king, but he did understand the importance of the Magi. And he realized that if they had seen a sign in the heavens, that this must be legit. So he had his own wise men come in and uh, consult consult with them. And they said, well, yeah, the, the new king, the Messiah... Who is who they're referring to? Uh, this this Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. Well, Herod gave the information to the Magi, and he sent them on to Bethlehem. But he said, "Listen, when you find the child, when you find this new king, please let me know so I can come and worship him as well." Well, in reality, we know that uh, that wasn't the case because later, later after the wise men, the, the Magi left. Uh, Herod went to have those kids killed. He, basically, every uh, male child two years and under in that region was put to death by Herod in an effort to execute this new king. So Matthew goes on to write of the Magi. He says, after they heard the king, after they had talked to Herod, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. The star led them right to the house where Jesus and his family were. 
They entered the house where the child, this is from Matthew again, they entered the house where the child and his mother Mary were, and they fell down before him and worshipped him. They opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. If you ever wonder why most manger scenes show three wise men, it's because there's three gifts. We don't really know. There could have been more. Um, but that's the, the, the thought process there. They opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, clearly the Magi understood that this was no ordinary baby. I mean, they had been directed to his location by uh, a supernatural star, by a supernatural comet, something in the heavens, whatever it was, directed them to this new baby, the, the Messiah, the new king. There were numerous prophecies fulfilled at the birth of Jesus. The fact that the Magi worshipped him and presented gifts provide us with an idea of how important they understood this child's birth to be. And again, back to the question we asked earlier. How would they know this unless they had studied the Hebrew Scriptures? And how would uh, foreigners, Gentiles, how would they have access to these Scriptures? That's where we think Daniel might have come in. But when they were ready to leave, when the Magi were ready to leave after they had paid their respects and seen the new king, they did not report back to King Herod. God spoke to them in a dream and said, go home another way, which is what they did. And then after the star um, guided the Magi to where Jesus was, it was never referred to again. Isn't that interesting? Kind of a one-off kind of uh, situation here. The star had done its job, and it had pointed the way to Jesus. And even though this special star would never be heard from again, Jesus himself would be referred to as the light of the world. Listen to how John describes Jesus. The light shines through the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was going to come into the world. So, this Christmas, when you're putting that beautiful star on your tree, and maybe you're screwing a light into it to make sure that it'll light up and shine brightly when you plug your tree in, why not take the time to explain to your children or house guest, or whoever's visiting, whoever you're with over the holidays, say, you know, I learned something this Christmas, something I didn't know before, and maybe share with them what it now represents. Helping people understand the significance of the star will help them to understand the true meaning of Christmas. Now, look, I get it. Most people aren't into Christmas for the religious aspects of it. Many, 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 many of my friends are, are, are non-Christians. They're not, they wouldn't consider themselves to be religious or followers of Christ. But they still celebrate Christmas. And, and I get that. Christmas is wonderful. It's about family. It's about sharing. It's about creating memories. It's about receiving gifts and giving gifts and spending time with those that we love. But never forget, Christmas is about Jesus. At that first Christmas, God sent a special star to guide the wise men, the magi, to the baby Jesus. Well, God's light is still shining through Jesus today, drawing people to himself. Well, how does that work? Well, 
He uses other people. He uses Christians. He uses his body. He uses his church. But make no mistake, the light is still shining. Jesus said that he was the light of the world, but before he left, he looked at his followers and he said, you are the light of the world. Christmas time is a wonderful, wonderful time to reflect on that light. And for those of us who are willing, God will put his light in them as well. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Was this new information for you? Did it help? Uh, What do you put on top of your Christmas tree? Uh, we don't put a star every year. I remember we've had several years where my wife would put a, 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 like a like a hat, like a Santa hat on top of the tree, and that looked good too. But what do you put on top of your tree? I'd love to know. Go to davidspell.com. Leave me a question or a comment in the comment section for today's post so that we can stay in touch. Uh, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter, and I know you're going to love it. Well, friends, thanks for being with me. And I'll see you next week on Leading and Learning.